Do you want to be transported back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I certainly do. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer, bottled with all-natural, uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. And it's not just about that elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. I've said it before, but I love this product. It feels like I am going to a spa every Every night, and it delivers that coveted post-vacation glow like you just returned from a tropical getaway. Right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code DATEABLE at OSEAMalibu.com. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DATEABLE at OSEAMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use the code DATEABLE for 10% off. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Krafchick. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters. So we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in. So feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me. I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my co-host, Michael Vargas, a fellow dating coach with a clinical psychology background, my producer, Julie Krafchick, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. We have a guest host in the house. (laughs) His name is Harvey, and I just have to give you guys a little background on Harvey. Harvey and I met during Beta Breakers, but we re-met again later for um, our onesie party where Harvey was came in a full bear costume and he was one of the contestants on the dating game, which was such a success. And that's when he announced to the world that he has declared dating bankruptcy, which means he's not dating at all. So I figured if you're not dating, then let's just talk about dating, right? Perfect co-host for us. Harvey, do you have anything else you want to say about you that is interesting? No, I have nothing else. Maybe we'll find out as the time goes by. Speaking of cool guests in the house, we have Chris here. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? He's got his sunglasses on. (laughs) I'm guessing he was partying a little too hard last night. I wish. I was was working, unfortunately, but 
Yeah, so I've been working on a, a pretty cool project. Recently launched a site called Intrigue Me, uh, a place where people can share fantasies uh, to get inspiration uh, to spice up their own relationships or to meet somebody to fulfill a fantasy they've always wanted to have. But there is something else we want to talk about too, sure. right, as we discussed. Absolutely. Um, to start, uh, I've been involved in non-traditional relationships uh, since college. So non-monogamous. Yeah, non-monogamous. Um, I wouldn't say uh, polyamorous. There's a sort of a bright line between those uh, different sort of groups. Um, but I, I've been practicing, uh, and practicing is, a, is an active word, uh, uh, practicing non-monogamy for a number of years now, yes. But not polyamorous. Correct. You always have to be like, somewhat careful about talking about these because some people have very, very strong beliefs. The line between someone who says they're into non-monogamy versus someone who says they're polyamorous, in my mind, uh, a polyamorous person um, has a uh, deep desire to be with uh, two or more people and have a serious uh, emotional and physical connection, perhaps living with them, perhaps not. Um, over a long period of time. But seeking meaningful relationships outside of a two-person partnership. Correct. So they want to be with they want to be with somebody they want to be with at least two or more people in a very serious way. Non-monogamy is just sort of like a more uh, a broader umbrella term. The there's a less of a focus on like building relationships with a num with a number of people uh, as opposed to just sort of maybe more like openly going with the flow. And you're saying you've never engaged in polyamorous relationships? Uh, I no, I have dated um, in a serious way more than one person at the same time. And do they know about each other? Yes. And that's the whole point of having these non-traditional relationships is that everyone's aware of the other part. Absolutely. Of the yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. So like I think. Communication is the most important thing uh, in any relationship, uh, regardless if you're monogamous, if you're just hooking up with people, you know, you know, not dating, or like you're just sort of like playing the field or whatever you want to say, um, or you know, you're exclusively married to somebody, or you're you know you're in a, some sort of multi like in a, in a, in a poly quad or something like that, right? So communication is inarguably the most important thing, um, and the the. Advantage that I believe that um, non-monogamy has is it puts a very high value on open, candid communication about what you want, what you don't want, what you're afraid of, um, and what you're curious about. Establishing and boundaries. Establishing boundaries. Um, and you see, like, all of us have... Um, friends who are this couple who've been together forever and everybody knows that they shouldn't be together and everyone's like, how are they still together? And they're like, you know, but they, they, they sort of are within this confines of this relationship. They, they, they seek sort of a security, but they may not be talking about the thing that they need to be talking about. And the reality is that non-monogamy um, can be really confronting, right? Like seeing your partner flirting with, uh, making out or, or hooking up with, um, somebody else can be very can be very emotionally challenging and so it forces these sort of hard conversations um, and people who who practice non-monogamy and I, and I and I say practice very seriously because it's sort of a learning thing um, you're forced to sort of go through this and learn more about yourself and what you want in a partner uh, and what you're cool with and you know sometimes you'll find that you know things that you believe are going to bother you because society tells you like you need to be you need to be jealous or if you see something you're somehow inadequate um, like if, you, if, if the the girl you're with is flirting with some other guy that somehow it's taking away from you um, it's like is uh, might not really 
matter, right? Like it might, it might be something that you've heard, you know, read in stories or whatever, like it, it's sort of like ingrained in you, but the reality is if you, if you sort of experience this and sort of contemplate it and see how it affects you, um, you realize it's like not really a thing and it's not really a thing that bothers you. And that's one of like, one of, um, I don't, like, I don't believe that non-monogamy is for everyone, um, but I believe that a lot of the um, lessons and a lot of the ideas within it are useful no matter if you're very happily monogamous with somebody to like to read books like Opening Up, uh, Sex at Dawn, um, The Sperm Wars, any of these books are very much about uh, you know sex, monogamy, non-monogamy, etc. Um, and they can be very useful tools and the ideas within them are very useful for maintaining your monogamous relationship or exploring a non-monogamous one. Do you get jealous anymore? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. Um, Sometimes um, I, I can get jealous, um, and the, the and the the reason why that's sort of an interesting question is like, so jealousy has this like strong negative connotation, right? Like if someone gets jealous, we can all picture that guy or that girl who is like uh, enragedly jealous, right? And they're just pissed off because they're, they they found that their partner may have flirted with somebody or cheated on them or whatever. And there's just like this like this sort of like green eyes and fire. Um, and that's sort of like the, 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 the connotation that most, the most Western people think about jealousy. Um, but I often tell people who are like sort of like dipping their toes in the water is to think about, so like laughter, right? So laughter can be positive or it can be negative. You can laugh with somebody uh, in a happy way or you can laugh in a negative and sort of a demeaning way or a mocking way. And a lot of it has to do with the tonality and how you approach the moment. Um, and you're in your frame of reference, right? And so there's one, I think, that a, a lot of people sort of um, sat in jealousy and like experienced the emotion as opposed to just like having the immediate reaction they think they're supposed to have. Um, they would realize that, you know, jealousy can actually be really hot. Um, the right amount of jealousy can fuel passionate relationships. Um, like relationships generally die when you're, you know, not having sex, when you're sitting on the couch, when you're getting fat together, right? Like, you're, like everyone has that sort of like, like that getting in the 30s, 40s, and getting older uh, mentality or that fear. Um, and like, but when someone is jealous, that means that they care. And that's not to say that you know, you want to be jealous and like screaming at each other all the time. That's that's not a, that's not a constructive way of having a relationship. But there's there's uh, a better way of thinking about being jealous that I think a lot of people don't approach. Well, I want to, you know, go into intricacies of your boundaries. Sure. Like, what are your boundaries? What are typical boundaries that you see for other people? And when they're broken, you see jealousy. So the, uh, like the, the one that I always see is sort of a um, red flag, in my opinion, um, is when you see people who are like somewhat interested in uh, non-monogamy of some form and they have like a don't ask don't tell kind of policy uh-huh. right mm-hmm. like if I encounter someone like that um, at a bar or at a play party or at some sort of venue um, I very quickly put on the brakes and take a step back um, and the reason is because usually um, when people have that sort of policy it's because they don't have the, the, the willingness or the tool set to sort of approach these challenging questions and like really have a candid conversation about um, what they do or don't want, what they can and can't have. Um, but you see it all the time. Like it's, like it's, it's very common. Um, and that's not to say that like if you're, you know, if you're with somebody 
um, and you're like, and you're open, and they, and you're, you're you go out on a date, or your partner goes out on a date, that they should like they should tell you every gory detail about like the, the entire night. You know, some people are into that, some people aren't. Um, but when you see people who are sort of like closed off and say like, don't ask, don't tell, it's basically the same thing as um, you know, uh, unethical. Uh, not monogamy, right? So, yeah. So, are you like a, a relationship Sherpa to take someone from monogamy over to the non traditional <laughs> side? I, I have. Take me to uh, the sure. Side. So, the dark side of the moon. Yes. Um, I have done it, absolutely. Um, some of my partners, it was definitely um, their first time in like what would be considered like a, like a real, uh, you know, non monogamous, like an, an open and ethical. Uh, uh, non-monogamous relationship, um, and I th- like um, with, yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 I very much like part of actually why I started my project about uh, intrigue me about sharing fantasies is I, I really care about and like creating experiences for people and letting people explore things, um, and that's like what I'm interested in doing. Um, so it might not be like a specific fantasy or a specific act, but just like the general overall concept of like opening doors for people. It's your is... fantasy to see them achieve their fantasy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> very, 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 me- very meta, very meta, I know. But no, it's true. Um, like, yeah, I mean. But then who sherpa do you into non-monogamous Ooh. relationships? That, that, was, that was a long and rocky road. Um, no, um, as I said, I've been uh, involved in, 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 in various forms of non-monogamy for probably the last like eight or nine years you know some of it was you know the, sort of like a classic sort of gateway a lot of people get into it is like through a long distance relationship right so you're like you're with somebody who you really care about but you know we were on either side of the country um and so we're like yeah sure it's it's okay to um see somebody else uh i don't believe that if my partner is with somebody else it diminishes me um because you're very secure. No, I mean, I actually think like I think I'm a, actually a very average guy. I think um, on all respects, I'm about average height, about average attractiveness, average not, beard length, average beard <laughs> length. I, you know, I'm I'm no I'm no Brad Pitt, and I you know, there's like sort of this like idea that like, if you're um, involved in uh, these sort of like crazy parties or you're you know with lots of women or whatever that you have to be like Brad Pitt or something and I think that's not really at not, all not, not true especially in San Francisco especially in San Francisco yeah. but I'm so curious where did this come from what are your parents like what's their relationship like oh that's very interesting uh, we're never gonna get to your dating real. story <laughs> yeah we're not we'll, we'll, we'll have, they'll have to have me back right, and we'll tell two. the yeah, part two if you want to hear the story um, so I actually come from a fairly uh, conservative family um, from a small town uh, on the on the on the east coast um, and I think I had like a very sort of classic upbringing, um, and then you know I went to a tech school and then came out to San Francisco. I mean, like, it's a pretty classic sort of story arc. Um, I think like I always had a strong interest in like psychology and connection and people, um, and I think that's what started getting me um, reading about like non-monogamy and other forms of relationships. Um, and I had like a series of of regular relationships. Um, and I've had, w- like, within the last years, I've had uh, monogamous relationships and open relationships and so forth, um, and just always, like, interested in, like, trying different experiences and seeing, you know. So did the relationships be non-traditional, then you started reading, and then it became a way of life? Or were you reading first? I think I was reading first. I think at a youngerish age, like, sometime in my teenage years, I got sort of, I, I was reading a lot of fantasy. Um, and that, and the, like those sort of stories, like touch on a lot of this stuff, and so I got interested in it. 
Do you remember uh, the first book that sparked your interest? I have no. No, I read stuff online. Ethical it was all slut. like, it was, yeah. Was that uh, it? Ethical slut is a classic one. Um, but I, that was not the first. I don't remember what the first was. It was like uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 29. How many times have you been in love? Ooh, that's a really hard question. And have you been in love with two people at once? I've never been in love with two people at once. I would say I've been in love three times. And were all three of those in non-monogamous relationships? Yes. Have you come out of the closet to your parents about your non-monogamous? No. Yeah. <laughs> Do you plan on coming no. out? My, uh, my mother learned actually of the, the, the project that I made about the fantasy site and she, she did not approve. So they're very traditional. Yeah, very traditional. Um, and so there's just like, you know, conversations I can have and conversations I can't. So I can just hear some of our listeners screaming, going, if you were in love with someone, shouldn't they be enough for you? Why do you have to seek out other Ooh. people? Sure, sure. I mean, there's so many different philosophical ways of going about talking about that. Right. What about just for you? For me, the, what I would say is that there's no one can be all things to somebody else all the time. Um, and relationships grow and ebb and fade and strengthen naturally over time. I've been uh, in like multi-year open relationships, um, and when the one of the things that I would say is sort of an advantage and like a, a good like uh, if you take a, a couple who's in a monogamous relationship, like the idea like this, uh, you know it, it's pretty much a fairy tale that if you're in a monogamous relationship or you're in a relationship with anybody right that you are not going to find any other person attractive right like now whether or not you act on your attraction to other people whether it's slight or strong is a whole other question and it's a question of you know self control and a question of uh, availability and, and and serendipity but um, the like oftentimes when when people cheat they statistically actually cheat with someone who's less attractive, um, less quote-unquote desirable than their primary partner. And the reason often is, is because that we, you know, the classic human thing is to want what you cannot have. And because they're in this structure of this, um, this monogamous relationship and society says like you're with this person, you're married or you're engaged or you're very serious and you can't see this other person, that person becomes far more attractive to you and then you might stray out of your relationship. And maybe you're very, very happy with this person that you're, you know, you're in the relationship with, but whatever series of events, a late night at the office that happened to spill over into an affair, um, will often like destroy or intractably damage the trust uh, and the basis of a, of a, like a traditional monogamous relationship. Um, and so what I, I often charge people to say is like, if you, you know, if you had flexibility, and not, I'm not saying that you need to be dating five people or three people or whatever, but if you have an understanding that like you can, you know, uh, enjoy the company of somebody else, that maybe you just want to have a drink with them, maybe you just want to flirt with them, maybe you just want to have a, you know, make out with them, that, that might be enough, and you might learn what you wanted from that person and have that experience, and it would actually strengthen your primary relationship, and that, that relationship would survive. Whereas in uh, a more traditional setting, because you cheated, because you stepped out, uh, the person might not forgive you or might, it might fall apart. Can I also add that sure. it's not just physical attraction. Like you just mentioned, it could be psychological. Oh yeah, totally, totally, totally. Like you said, Strong. not everybody can be everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's different voids being juggled and filled. Absolutely. And some of this could be same gender relationships too, oh, totally. right? Are you... 
I am open straight. Open to both? Okay. Um, yeah, that's actually something that I, I, I've spent some time contemplating. I am quite straight, um, but I'm very like open-minded and like appreciate like all like forms of sexuality and what people want to have. And to, to, the, to the degree in which I'm not attracted to men is actually an, a curiosity of myself, to myself. So you're not like, attracted to Harvey right no, now? You don't I mean, want to kiss him? No, I don't want to kiss Harvey. But he's thought it through, which yeah. not all guys do. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I, do, I do very much believe that, you know, um, sexuality is a continuum and we're all, like, people are on different spaces on it. But I'm, I'm very much to the, to the hetero side. So, I mean, a lot of people say, a lot of people write into our podcast and say, you know, how do people get into relationships? And they're just talking about one person. And here you are talking about having one relationship and then having multiple other um, sort of relationships. Sure. I mean, variations of relationships. Sure. How do you even keep track? How do you have time? How do you have the energy? What drugs are you on? Like, give <laughs> us, what, what's your secret? What's your Google calendar like? Sure. No, that was actually, I mean, that's a, uh, one of the running jokes about um, polyamory, right, is that um, most of it is a calendaring problem. Um, no, seriously, no, 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 there are, believe me, they, they exist. Um, no, like if, if they're the people who have like a number of serious partners that they've been with for a while will maintain calendars and schedules about who's seeing whom and when, when someone's sleeping where. Um, and it gets even more like, if, like, and I'm 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 so far removed from this as this, as someone in their their late twenties um, with no kids. There are people who are you know in their mid thirties, late thirties who have two kids, and they're with a number of couples who also have kids. And I can't even imagine the logistical nightmare that that is. But people are doing it. So like finding time, like if for people doing that, it's it, it's 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 really complex. Um, for myself. Like I, I am with somebody right now, um, and that she's my, my my primary partner. And you guys live together. And we live together. Yes, I'm not like actively dating anybody else. Um, I might like grab a drink with somebody, um, meet someone up at a party, something like that. Um, but I'm not like arranging my schedule in a really complex way. Can I ask a vernacular question? If you <laughs> if you met someone else and you started dating them. You, what would you call them? Not your primary partner, but something else. Sure. Um, there are people who very seriously use those sorts of terms. Um, I would just say a partner or a lover or a friend um, or some sort of like you know colloquial term kind of thing or some some, some sort of implication. I again am more as it. I am less focused on like structures of relationships and and, and like mm -hmm. primary tertiary and that sort of thing. Um, there you know there's somebody who uh, I love her very much and she's definitely. Uh, the person I am with, the person uh, I live with, um, but other than that, there's awesome people in my life. How do sleepovers work? Oh, that's a great question. In past relationships, we've had sleepovers. Uh, we haven't, uh, that's not currently part of our relationship. So you guys do not sleep over at other correct. people's places correct. and you don't bring people over to your place? Uh, correct. So um, our esteemed producer, Julie, is also in the room and she will interject every once in a while. You have something to ask? Here's a question. Have you ever dated someone that is not open or would that be a deal breaker to you? Uh, no, I, I've dated people who are not open. As I said, in, in some ways, I'm somewhat of like a, uh, a hopeless romantic kind of person where I was like, I, I'm more into like the, the happenstance and the serendipity, right? Like I, it, like, if I'm at a bar and I meet somebody and there's like connection and like I want to just sort of like experience that and see where it goes, um, and so I'm I may you know hook up with that person or we may go out a date later or something like that. 
Um, and uh, I wouldn't like say, oh, like you're not into uh, non-monogamy or you're not into this, and so we can't we can't see. You each don't other. discriminate. I wouldn't discriminate. No, I think I mean I think everyone is going to figure out for themselves what they want in life. And would you tell them right away? Um, depends on the context. Depends on like if. Um, like if I, if I thought that the person was into me because they were like looking for a serious relationship, then I would have a more candid conversation with them. If it was somebody um, who I'm like, you know, we met at a bar and it was just like drinks and like it's clearly like sort of like a one night stand kind of thing, then I probably wouldn't bring it up okay. um, because it just like it doesn't really matter, right? I want to go back to what Harvey was saying with the primary, secondary, tertiary. Sure. If you think about it, it's not really unique to open relationships because that's just casual dating. Yeah. When you go on a date with someone, you have no idea where you are in that lineup. Totally. You could have been their third date. They could have been on like five dates with someone else right before you. So you're secondary already in that situation. We as monogamous daters just don't openly talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. But we really true. are in that sort of lineup. We just don't. Absolutely true. It. And and it's about being able to have that sort of. Uh, candid conversation, right? Um, you know, if you are a dateable person in San Francisco, hmm. the uh, the odds that you are in uh, or you're you're casually seeing one or more people is fairly high, unless you're you know choosing to be uh, dating bankrupt. Uh, I'm back on the scene. Oh, there you go. He's back on the scene. Uh, no, but like so seriously. Like, I mean, the point is like most available twenty, thirty, forty somethings are actively hooking up with uh, one or more people. Um, and then like, there's, the, the concerns there is, is all about sort of communication um, and safety, right? Like, and that's why like, one of the classic, and we haven't actually discussed it yet, um, but like, one of the classic concerns that people bring up when you start discussing open relationships is like STDs and diseases yeah. and catching things, right? But that's just dating. Right, yeah. exactly. no, 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 exactly. And actually it's, it, it's, it's quite the opposite. Right. No, it's yeah. absolutely safer, right? Like, so the people who I know who are, who are committed to non-monogamy, you know, they get tested monthly. They get tested regularly, like they're very serious about it. They're very serious about disclosing things. They're very serious about using condoms. And we're all um, ashamed. And, and, and there's a huge amount of shame around around uh, traditional monogamy and around hooking up with other people and they sort of like, you know, people tend to get, um, you know, very drunk and they like, they, you know, they, get, they get blotto drunk at a bar and like go home with somebody and then they may or may not use a condom um, and then it causes all sorts of problems. So it's like the, the reality on the ground is that um, you're actually, in, in my opinion, and I think the data would probably back it up, although I don't have the research, uh, would be that it, like people who are like like serious about non-monogamy are generally much safer about their sex because they they spend more time thinking about it and more time talking about it. It's conscious. It's conscious, exactly. So if you like, if you go to uh, a play party, there will be people drinking. Um, there will be people like fucked up on various things. But actually, it's going to be far. People are generally in a better like states of mind, better states of control because frankly, you can't perform if you're really really fucked up. Let's do some takeaways because what I'm hearing from you is communication is so key and we keep saying this on every episode but it's so key because I think about the times when I've been upset with a partner yep. and it's because I didn't communicate my needs. Yep. Right. I, yeah, I couldn't say that. I mean like the great example was your, you know, your previous podcast about that girl uh, with the guy and the, when she, she fingered him, right? Like she felt weird because he didn't communicate his needs to her. Uh, he was embarrassed about it and unable to have a real conversation about it. She was embarrassed about it and like sort of unwilling to, to, to say, hey, like express herself in that situation. Um, and so you have two people who might have had a great experience. They might have enjoyed each other way more and they, may be, they might have been dating right now if they had just been willing to sort of like 
own up and like talk about it. Um, and that's something that you classically see in, in those sort of relationships. Harvey, takeaway? My takeaway is classic daters and non-traditionalists are very similar, but they define the relationship a little bit differently in the end. Yep. But it's potentially the non-traditionalists are more happy because they communicate better. And also it's just that we can't judge other couples. You just, now this is proof, right? Society can't say this is right, this is wrong in a relationship. What you consider cheating could be totally different for you and your partner versus someone else, right? Yeah. So stop judging other partners and communicate your needs in your own partnership. Okay, do's and don'ts of people who are beginners in non-monogamous relationships. Let's do two do's and two don'ts. All right, um, so again, I, I, I strongly suggest uh, like reading something like Opening Up. Um, Ethical Slut is very popular, but I think Opening Up is actually better. Um, like there's all sorts of people who've spent a lot of time thinking about these things and it's just worth your time just to like le learn from them, learn from their mistakes because it's definitely not easy. Like you will, you will be confronted uh, by, um, by emotions and like just you have to like be ready for that. Okay. Um, so that's one strong do. Um, a don't, I said like um, don't get into the sort of relationship which I was talking about which is like the don't ask, don't tell. Uh, non-monogamy, which is just sort of like, oh, we're sort of cheating on each other but not telling each other about it. Like, that's just ultimately going to be um, uh, really sort of painful um, for everyone involved. Um, another sort of a, a do, I would say, you know, uh, I think do go to a play party. Uh, I think that, um, I think, I think <laughs> the, uh, yeah, TBD, I, I think that, no, um, like, there's something really interesting and freeing and different uh, about that experience, that it's something that sort of like we don't like until you've gone to one, you don't really think that that thing that sort of experience exists. Everyone's googling play party, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Right, exactly. uh, and like you know, there, there's one every weekend in San Francisco. So like there, there, there's there's um, you know, it, it's it's totally possible. And I think and I think that people will have healthier relationships with their partners once you have like the, like you free yourself and see like all of these options are on your table. Um, you you get less. Hold, uh, held up on things, right? Mm. Um, you think about stuff more clearly. Um, another sort of like within that like don't ask, don't tell sort of relationship are the people who will get into uh, non-monogamous relationships because their partner really wants it or their partner wants to sleep with other people mm. and their partner basically says, you know, I want to sleep with other people, um, you know, you, we need to be non-monogamous, we need to be open. I can't, I, we can't, we can't be, be closed. Um, and if you're not okay with that, you don't have to be okay with that. Um, you may be okay with that some point later in your life with somebody else. Um, or you may never be okay with it, but you should not feel like you need to just like go in with that because you won't, it won't go well. Like, like if that person wants to be with you, be together, be in whatever relationship you want to be in, but don't be held hostage into a relationship you don't want to be in. Conscious couplehood. Yeah. Uh, another do is share your fantasy on intrigueme.com. Yes. That's intrigue, yeah. <laughs> intrigue with an E like Edward. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris, for being with us. Guys at home, if you have your own fantasy stories, your non-monogamous, non-traditional stories, we want to hear from you. Maybe you've been to a play party and you want to share that story. We want to hear that as well. So find us at datablepodcast.com. Last but not least, stay, stay datable. datable. In this episode, Chris mentions the book, Opening Up, a guide to creating and sustaining open relationships by Tristan Tarmino. So the action item for this week is for anybody flirting with the idea of non-monogamy or currently in a non-monogamous relationship, there's a great excerpt from the book that I wanna to read to you and I just want you to think about it. Quote, it would be unwise to agree to non-monogamy for the following reasons or with these hidden motives. 
One, you're so in love with that person that while your gut is telling you no, you decide to say yes and we'll deal with it later. Two, you believe your partner likes the idea as an abstract concept, but it won't actually happen. Three, you agree to it, but secretly know you'll be enough for your partner and she won't ever want anyone else. Four, although your partner has said he is non-monogamous by nature, you know you can change him. And five, you think it's just a phase and she'll get over it. So if any of the above applies to you, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue non-monogamous relationships. It probably means you and your partner are not on the same page. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Mm-hmm.